What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. You know, I remember one time when we just had moved into Cotty from our place we were leasing to the place that, you know, where we owned it. It was across town, and we, you know, there was a big lot of trucks and got everything all moved over, and it was a great day, and, and the assemblers were all together. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to address the assemblers in the Spanish that I don't know. You know so that's why Deanna translated for me. And so, you know, I'm, I'm talking to them. I'm, you know, standing down here, they're here, you know, and I'm, I tell them my testimony, you know, and, and then uh, usually after I, I, I address the people, they all clap, you know, and, and so nobody clapped. So I thought, ooh, what did I say, you know? So I, I turned over to Deanna, I said, did I say something wrong? And she says, they're just used to hearing a president say he's a sinner. They're just not used to hearing King David say, I'm a sinner. But this is the entrance to God. Those are the words where when they're heard, God says, I can help you. I can help you. But if, unless when a person says, I'm good, there's nothing wrong with me, God says, I can't help you. I can't help you. Sorry. And, but this is when, but these beautiful clothes of salvation, these beautiful clothes of the robe of righteousness, they're there for anyone to take because he, has, he, has, he, he suffered on the cross with no clothes so that we could be clothed. And this is the call that's going to come out to Israel when, he, when, he, when God calls to Israel and he's going to say, wake up, wake up. In Isaiah 52.1, Isaiah 52.1, awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion, put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For, for henceforth there shall be no more come unto thee, the uncircumcised and the unclean. Put on thy beautiful garments, just like us. The call is put on thy beautiful garments. The call is Romans 13, 14, Romans 13, 14, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 3, 27, Galatians 3, 27, as many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Those are the beautiful garments. It's the righteousness of Christ. Now, also we saw that, that the Lord, he, he said in verse 14, I am poured out like water, poured out like water. There's such a finality to that. 
being poured out like water. When you read 2 Samuel 14, 14, 2 Samuel 14, 14, you read about this and it says, very depressing at the beginning, it says, for we must needs die. It's very depressing. And are as water spilt on the ground which cannot be gathered up again. Neither doth God respect any persons. Thank God it doesn't end there. But it starts off with, we must needs die, and we're like water that's spilt on the ground, and you can't gather it back up again. It's like, you know, my, my, I have two friends, two friends, two lost friends this last week, who both of them said to me, I don't know how many days I've got left to live. Very depressing. And this is what 2 Samuel 14, 14 is saying. We must needs die, and are, we are as water spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. You know, one of them said, every one of us is going to die. Like, that's a big revelation. And there's no, no respect to persons with God. That, that's really depressing. In other words, nobody can God, come to God and say, oh, God, not me, not me, please. I'm different. I'm special. I don't want to die. I don't want to lose my life. You know, no one can say that because you said there's no respect to persons. We must all needs die. And that's very depressing. But... Wonder of wonders, in that verse of 2 Samuel 14, 14, there is the word yet, yet, yet. It's wonderful. And it says, that yet doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him. God has devised a way. God has devised a process or procedure. God has devised a, a means, as he calls it. He made a way. He made a way so that his banished would not be expelled from him. It's just like the hymn, love found a way, God found a way, wonderful love that rescued me, sunk deep in sin, guilty and vile as I could be, no hope within. When every ray of light had fled, oh glorious day, raising my soul from out the dead, love found a way, love found a way. Yes, praise God, let's clap to God because he found a way. Thank God. Love found a way to redeem my soul. Love found a way that could make me whole. Love sent my Savior, my Lord, to die on the cross of shame. Love found a way. Praise his holy name. That's what 2 Samuel 14, 14 is saying. Yet doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him. What's the means? What are the means? What is the means? The means is the cross. The means is that God found to redeem man's soul, to make him whole, is the specifics of what Psalm 22 is all about. That's it. And the means, what does it do? So what does it accomplish? It accomplishes that his banished be not expelled from him. You know, banished, that's a terrible word, banished. Banished to the, is what you can write over the top of, of, of Matthew 7.23, Matthew 7.23. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. You are banished. Or, or Matthew 25, 41, Matthew 25, 41. Then shall he say also to them on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and the angels. You are banished. Depart from me. That's a terrible thing. That's a thing. You could just you say, hell is the place for the banished. The banished, the banished from the presence of God. But the good news is, the great news is, 2 Peter 3, 9, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The great news is, 1 Timothy 2, 4, 1 Timothy 2, 4, that God will have all men 
to be saved. And that's why 2 Samuel 14, 14 is so great when it says he devised means that his banished be not expelled from him. You mix those two together. You mix that verse of 2 Samuel 14, 14 along with the 2 Peter 3, 9, and it could come out something like this. The Lord is not willing that any should be banished and expelled from him. You could mix those two together, the 2 Samuel 14, 14, the 1 Timothy 2, 4, It'll come out like this. First Timothy 2.4 would come out like this. God will have all men to be in his presence and not be banished. And then the Lord says, I am poured out like water. This is how he is described in Isaiah 53.12. Isaiah 53.12, it says that, uh, that uh, he hath poured out his soul unto death. He poured out his soul unto death. He said, I am poured out like water in Psalm 22:14 in Isaiah 53:12 he poured himself out he hath poured out his soul unto death and so it emphasizes that he voluntarily did that that was his choice and then he speaks in verse 14 all my bones are out of joint he speaks about all his bones like he can feel all his bones that they're out of joint there's such an intense intense pain and this was the 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 He's stretched out there on the cross. You can see the outline of his bones through, through whatever skin and tissue he has left there, and, he, and he's describing his bones as being out of joint. It's like being on a rack, the torture. We can imagine the pain, the very interesting word here for a Hebrew word, I'll tell you, that he used. So, you know, this, the, the, this afternoon, I made chicken soup. Okay, That's what you do. I made chicken soup. And, you know, I got the chicken, you know, you make chicken soup. Yeah, you make you get the chicken and, you know, you, you got to kind of separate the parts. Nine parts, right? Two legs, two, two legs, two thighs, two breasts, two, two wings, and one back. Anyway, so you got to separate them out there, you know. So you, you kind of run your, your, your fingers down to that joint. You know, you don't want to break the bone. You don't want bone shards in your soup, right? You got to get your fingers down to that joint and you bend it back and then all of a sudden you get that pop. You, you know what I'm talking You think I'm crazy, don't you? No. no. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's that snap. It's that pop. That's how you with the chicken. That's what parad means. Parad means that when you take uh, uh, the bones at the joint without breaking them, because not one of his bones were broken, and you bend them to a point where they pop and they snap out. That's the word he used, parad. When you separate a chicken thigh from the chicken leg, parad. You just find that right joint right there. You separate that pop. This was the intention of the Romans was to accomplish this. So they dig a big hole for the socket for the cross. The cross is very heavy. The two pieces of the wood are very, very heavy. The person is nailed to the cross so that when they drop the cross in, this tremendous weight of this wood falling down into the socket with a big thug and so the person who's on the cross having no support then experiences this parade, and the bones come out of joint. And that's probably what's meant here, what happened, but also, also, we need to keep in mind what keeps joints in place? Connective tissue, ligaments. And the ligaments and the connective tissue, they are functioning like our body is 60% water. They are functioning by water. The blood supply, well, he's losing water He's losing, he's bleeding to death, he's perspiring, it's hot, he's losing water. As a matter of fact, that's the reason for his death, dehydration, his death by dehydration. That means his ligaments are also 
becoming dehydrated and they're losing their holding ability, the ability of them to hold the bones into the joint. They're losing that. So he says, all my bones are out of joint. And then he speaks about my heart. He says in verse 14, my heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. So he's, he's comparing his heart to wax, wax that's under an intense heat source and it melts. I mean, this is pretty frightening to read. This is pretty frightening to consider here that the Lord is saying my heart is like wax melted in the midst of my bowels. It's frightening when you consider who that was on the cross. That's the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's the Lord strong and mighty, strong and mighty in battle. That's him. And the heat of God's wrath and God's judgment has melted his heart. Is there anyone who could endure who could hold up under the judgment of God? He couldn't. So he says, my heart is like wax. It's melted in the midst of my bowels. And then he's fighting, he's fighting, he's fighting. He's fighting for his strength. He's so brave out there, but his strength is running out and he no longer has any more strength. And so he says in verse 15, verse 15, my strength is dried up like a potsherd, like a piece of broken pottery. We can only imagine that maybe around the cross there, maybe there were some broken pieces of pottery. And so he's on the cross and he's looking at it and he said, that's like my strength right there. I'm like that broken piece of pottery. He's thinking about when the clay was first formed into a pot. It's wet clay. It's put into a fire kiln where all the water is drawn out of it. And he sees his strength like that all dried up. And now there's this piece of pot maybe lying in the dirt there. Just like Job, when he was covered with the boils in Job 2.8. Job 2.8, where it says he took him a potsherd and just scraped himself. It's his strength. It's all dried up. He waged this brave and courageous battle, but finally he's come to a place where his strength is dried up. He's utterly exhausted. His courage is dried up. He's in a state of utter discouragement. And yet we see this, this, this sterling determination of the Lord as he's taking the position of even in the state of exhaustion, his state of discouragement, he's fighting on. Just like Job said in Job 13, 15, Job 13, 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Yet will I trust in him. The pottery, he says, I want that next time we have communion, that every one of us holds a piece of broken pottery. Just to remember this point when he was on the cross, when he said, my strength is dried up like a potsherd. And he says, but his strength is gone, but he still holds to God in Psalm, in verse 19, verse 19. His strength is gone, is dried up like a potsherd, but he says, be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength. So he calls God his strength. So in the end there, he's on the cross, and he looks at his soul. He looks at his soul, and he says, I am poured out like water. He looks at the frame of his body, his bones, and he says, all my bones are out of joint. He looks at his heart, and he says, my heart is like wax. It's melted in the midst of my body. He looks at his strength. He says, my strength is dried up like a potsherd. And now he looks at his tongue, and he says in verse 15, my tongue cleaves to my jaws. Extreme thirst, extreme thirst. This was the only personal need that anybody heard the Lord speak of from the cross wasn't the pain, it wasn't the nails, it wasn't the, it was just his personal need when it said in, in, in John 19, 28, John 19, 28, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished that the scripture might be fulfilled, fulfilled, saith, I thirst. 
I thirst. He says, I thirst. This is amazing. Because the people that he gave drink to, there was a woman who came to a well in a state of, of, of defiled immorality. She would been spit out on the side of the road like a, in the gutter, and that made her soul thirsty, deeply thirsty. She thirsted for being able to worship God, to get close to God. She didn't know which mountain it was supposed to be you're supposed to worship God in. She thirsted to be cleansed from her sin. And the Lord came to her in her state of thirst and said to her in John 4.14, John 4.14, whosoever drinks of this water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. When she said that, hope sprang up in her. And she, and she says in, in John 4.15, John 4.15, the woman saith unto him, sir, give me this water that I thirst not neither come hither to draw. And the Lord gave her that water when he said, when he revealed, I am the one you need. I, I that speak unto thee am the Messiah. I am he. He comes to a group of, of people, just common people in, in Capernaum. He sees that they are thirsty in their soul. Religion hasn't satisfied them. So to those, he says, he invites them. He says, he says in John 6.35, John 6.35, Jesus saith unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me or believeth into me shall never thirst. He's standing in the temple. Now he's really surrounded by religious people, and they also are thirsty in their soul. And he says to them, he says to them, he, he cries out to them, as a matter of fact, in John 7.37, John 7.37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst... Let him come unto me and drink. He quenches the souls of men, and yet he's on the cross, and he's saying, I thirst. He thirsted so that, so that he could give us drink. He was the Lamb of God. Now he looks at his future. He looks at his future, and he says, you brought me into the dust of death. The dust of death. The very judgment that Adam was told in, in Genesis 3.19 Genesis 3.19, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. It's a very moving thing. I don't know if you've ever been to a Jewish um, funeral. I don't recommend it. But if you ever go to a Jewish funeral, like I have, or one in particular, beautiful white casket, beautiful white coffin, white star of David on the top, beautiful. And I remember it gets lowered into the grave there, and then we all line up, as we each individually take a shovel full of dirt and throw it on that beautiful casket. Very moving. It's to unto dust shalt thou return. He speaks about this in, in verse 29, verse 29 of Psalm 22, verse 29. He says, all they that go down to the dust shall bow before him, and none can keep alive his own soul. His own soul. Why did he do all this? We just sang that song Name above all names. It's because he has a particular name, a wonderful name. And that name was told to Joseph that his name was going to be called Jesus, yes, but his name is also going to be called Emmanuel from Isaiah 7.14. Emmanuel. You know, Emmanuel is a wonderful name because Emmanuel is a combination of three Hebrew names, three Hebrew words. First, there was the word im. Im means together. We are together tonight. Im. 
Anu means our, and El means God. So really, Emmanuel is Im Anu El, Im Anu El. In other words, our togetherness with God. That's what his name means, our togetherness with, with, with God. So the first, the first our, Anu, our, the Lord Jesus is our togetherness with God. We are not together with God because we were born into a Christian family. We are not together with God because we were baptized as an infant. We are not together with God because it was some fate of predetermination somewhere by God. We are not together with God because of any good works that we've done in our lives. We are not together with God because of any particular church that we may attend. There's only one reason for our togetherness with God. It is Jesus. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our togetherness with God. And it's from this union that we are together with God, and that union is strictly 100% our personal decision to believe into the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the word Emmanuel is so important, and it's so overlooked as a name. I grew up attending the largest synagogue in Beverly Hills. It was called Temple Emmanuel. It is called Temple Emmanuel. It was, it still is. And I never thought about what does Emmanuel mean. It was just Temple Emmanuel, that's all. But I never thought that it means God with us, like it says in Isaiah 7, 14. There is no Emmanuel apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no togetherness with God apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no being together with God apart from the Lord Jesus. He is our Emmanuel. He is our togetherness with God. That's what he meant when he said in John 14, 6, John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. No man is together with God but by me. No man has a togetherness with God but by me. 1 Peter 3.18, 1 Peter 3.18, Christ has also suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, that he might be our togetherness with God. Ephesians 2.18, Ephesians 2.18, through him we have access to the Father. 2 Corinthians 5.19, 2 Corinthians 5.19, 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, God was in Christ reconciling, bringing it together, reconciling the world unto himself. It's a wonderful name. The word, the name Emmanuel. It's a name, it's part of his name that makes his name more excellent than he had the angels. More excellent in Hebrews 1.4, Hebrews 1.4, being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Jesus, name above all names. That's the more excellent name, one of them is Emmanuel. His name is Emmanuel, our togetherness with God. And we can be together with God because of this cross. We can be together with God. We can be clothed because he was naked on the cross. We can have our thirst quenched because he said, I thirst on the, on the cross. We can hold up because he was melted. His heart was melted like wax on the cross. What thou, my Lord, hast suffered was all for sinners' gain. Mine, mine was the transgression, thine the deadly pain. Here I fall, my Savior, tis I deserve thy place. What language shall I borrow to thank thee, dearest friend? For this, thy dying sorrow, thy pity without end. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, what can we say tonight? What language are we going to borrow tonight, Lord, to thank you, our dearest friend?
but we just leave it there. Thank you, dearest friend. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.